This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 416 of the Yellow Pods. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we will talk about Dortmund's eventful Revier Derby, Nico Schlotterbeck signing a five-year deal and we will preview tomorrow's game against Kräuterfurt. For all that and more... It's not true. fucking spam risk here. Uh, yeah, um, for all that and more, it joins me Matthias Suk. Hello Matthias. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing well. <laughs> My phone is on mute. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm doing uh, well. How the, are you? The, the problem is also the uh, spam calls. You always call twice, so this is not going to yep. be the first time. It's going to ring in the second too. Maybe I'll I'll mute my Apple Watch as well. Um, but yeah, Matthias, uh, lots to things to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm still trying to keep this somewhat short. Um, yeah. since you know it, the season is practically done. But uh, nevertheless, um. The game against Bochum was very uh, hmm. exciting, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't the outcome we all hoped for. Um, but we had VAR intervenes, we had handballs, we had a comeback and another comeback. And uh, I think from our perspective, most excitingly, we had a start of Jamie Bino Gittens. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know where you want to start uh, with with this mm-hmm. um, Saturday afternoon sold out stadium game where um, I, I think a lot of Dortmund fans were left with a sour taste in their mouth. Yeah, you know, apparently Dortmund can dominate Bochum and not win. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Um, I mean, we can't forget Bochum also beat Bayern this season, uh, which Dortmund did not. So, I mean, this Bochum team can play. I mean, these aren't scrubs. This is not like playing against Schalke. You know, this is a good team from the Ruhrgebiet. Right. Um, but that being said, it was just an odd game because on the one hand, you looked at it and went, ah, oh, you know, Bochum kind of deserved it. And then you really sat back and think about it. And then you really, and then and then you look at, you know, I've got FBRF open right now. And you look at the <laughs> numbers and you're like, oh, God, no, Bochum did not deserve to win this game. I mean, if anything, the scoreline should have been maybe the exact opposite. Um, four three, or three one, or four two. Um, but you know, three handball penalties. All of them were handball penalties. Uh, so I mean, those were those were easy and simple. Is interesting that uh, the referee, you know, used VAR properly, as we had just previously discussed. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a weird game. It was exciting. Uh, if I was a neutral, I would love to watch games like that all the time. Um, it was the first time Bochum have won in Dortmund since 1998, I believe. So that was uh, a little little extreme. But yeah, I mean, you've got FB Ref open right now. 
I mean, just look at the XG. I mean, even if you take out penalties, penalties account for a lot, but the non-penalty XG for for Dortmund is 3.1, and for Bochum it's 1.3. So, I mean, even if you take that out, it's clearly in Dortmund's favor. Um, 70% possession, outshot them 16 to 11. Um, Riemann was amazing for Bochum in goal. Yeah, he absolutely. In both was. games, really. Yes, yes. Um, you also can't discredit the fact that Bochum scored two absolutely amazing goals. Uh, Gerrit Holtmann, take that shot nine more times. I just don't think that's going to come off. I don't know. I, I, I give him uh, like a four out of ten. I think he has a technique down, to be okay, honest. Okay, four out of ten, fine, 40%. Yeah. And then Jürgen Lokadia, that touch and turn was Messi-esque perfect. I know. And I don't think he pulls that off nine times out of ten in that situation with a ball coming at him like that. So all credit to Bochum. They played really, really well. They they had a game plan that worked. If we look at pressing, I know we talked about if a team, like you had mentioned, a team has let more possession, they're going to have less presses. But Dortmund had 129 and Bochum had 225. That's 100 more pressures, roughly. Uh, it was 96. And that showed. They were aggressive. They stood on Dortmund's toes early and scored two goals super early. I mean, in, it was 2-0 after eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that is simply down to that aggressive approach. And, of course, Gerhard Holtmann uh, with a, a worldie of a goal. Sebastian Polta, um, what he... I mean, it was unlucky that Akanji slipped in the worst possible time. Right. And he was wide open. If Akanji hadn't have slipped, he would have been right there where the ball landed. And there would have been a goal. Uh, my issue with the Polta goal and the Holtmann goal isn't even the goal scorer, it's the assist giver, Asano, who was just given all the time in the world. Yeah, let's look at his stats. I oh, mean, he's he's uh, not, neither tall he's, nor heavy. He's a, he's a little dude. Yeah. Um, but it just... Um, I mean, he, he was the difference maker in that first 15 minutes. Now, granted... After 15 minutes, Dortmund completely took over. Yeah. I mean, it was the Dortmund show from then <laughs> until, until like the 80th minute. And then Bochum woke up again. Um, but you could see that um, Marco Rosa wasn't bothered because look at the substitutions that were made after the 84th minute, after the equalizer. Renier coming in for Wolf, Rote coming for Guerrero, and I want to talk about Guerrero in a minute separately. Papadopoulos coming in for Witze, Mukoko coming in for Brandt, um, and two of the subs got bookings in the last couple of minutes too. Um, I mean, it's one of those games where you play it again, Dortmund would probably win it. Um, statistically speaking, they were dominant, but Bochum did it so well, so early that I can't begrudge them for this result because, I mean, Dortmund were already secured in the Champions League. They're basically guaranteed to finish second. I mean, second or third, 
okay, there's a little bit of extra cash that comes into it. And obviously, I think the pot you land in for the Champions League draw uh, is dependent upon that. But Dortmund's goal is kind of there. And Bochum were then guaranteed to be able to stay in the Bundesliga. So overall, can't really complain too much. No, I mean... Here's the thing, I, I think I should be more pissed than I really was at the game because I had this feeling of, yeah, whatever, uh, you know, it is a derby, yes, but first of all, it, it meant so much more to Bochum. Yeah. And I, you know, I may, 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 maybe I'm, I'm failing as a Dortmund fan, but I just <laughs> feel to, <laughs> I, I could not have the emotion of hostility you usually have for a derby. I was actually mm. happy for for Bochum, which uh, uh, from a, from a derby standpoint, you should not be. Um, no. But obviously, they were they were really celebrating uh, their Klassenerhalt, and mm -hmm. so good for them. Um, on on the other hand, yes, I'm disappointed that Dortmund didn't really uh, take it seriously as a derby because i think there's still a difference between players <laughs> and fans yeah, you know i can i can lean back and i can decide for myself this is not the most important game in the world and if they don't win it it's not going to ruin my day it's not going to be the end of the world i mean plenty of dortmund games this season have ruined my day <laughs> slash weekend slash yes. week so um for me emotionally it's actually quite healthy to you know hatch this a little and uh, say okay whatever um but uh, yeah, it's. I I think Dortmund just ran out of steam in the in the last mm -hmm. ten fifteen minutes. I think it also just comes down to the fact that uh, they had a million injuries and they basically just had their under twenty three plus Ranier to like bring mm -hmm. on in the end. Yep. And um, yeah, obviously you can criticize the way that Pasluck and Royce defended. <laughs> Um, uh, the, uh, I don't even know who, who ran into the box between them, but, uh, yeah, it, it was comical. I mean, Guerrero was comical. Um, th like the, uh, the, whatever Akanji did for the, was it the fourth or the third goal? I don't even remember. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, think about it. What all gets lost in this, I mean, Holland scored a hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> like... It's a nice reflection you know, of the season that he um, scored a hat trick and it wasn't enough to beat Bochum. I know, I know. And on the day that his his agent died, yeah. or at least it got confirmed that he died. I mean, we kind of we joked about it last week. Obviously, it's not a, a joking because his the first reports were false, and then it turned out to be true. And then, you know, I mean, think what you will about Mino Raiola. It's always you know, it's not great that the man died. No, um, I think he was really bad for the sport, but he was really good at his job. So that that's that. So that Holland turned up, got a hat trick uh, on a day that I'm sure was a bit emotional for him. Uh, was great for Dortmund defending wise. I've talked about this in years past uh, about defenders and goalkeepers. Manuel Akanji has a high level of distrust for those around him as far as their ability well, to defend. Warranted. Correct. As has Mats Hummels in the past. And in those situations, and has Roman Bürki in the past. And in situations where those types of players have distrust in those around them, they will overcompensate. And the moment they overcompensate and try too much, they too will be making mistakes. 
And I think that's what we've seen a few times with Manuel Akanji. We've seen that a few times with Mats Hummels. And it's particularly evident when those two are not starting. Because whoever's next to them does not exude confidence, obviously. Um, and and even Kobel, uh, when he was playing, uh, when the back line was kind of iffy, I'm thinking Hertha, he made mistakes. He made Roman Bürki mistakes, um, which kind of, you know, makes it Roman Bürki's poor performances a little bit more understandable in that sense that he's just trying too much. And when you try too much, that happens. Because let's be honest, uh, and I want to say it was Lars who posted it on Twitter, the differences between Guerrero and Ben Sabaini. Um, whereas Guerrero is really good as a playmaker, as an attacking player, but you look at his defensive output, it's hot garbage. I mean, it is so bad. Whereas if you then look at Ben Sabaini, who's not an attacking threat per se, even though he's not bad, uh, he scored some very important goals for Gladbach over the last few seasons. Uh, at the same time, he um, defensively is just significantly stronger. Yeah, you know. I mean, on, it's on YouTube, not you even. Can, you can see the the ties. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, it's 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 pretty. I mean, you look at the offensive output from Rafael Guerrero. For those of you who watch on YouTube, and if you don't watch on YouTube and you're listening to this podcast, go to YouTube. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, subscribe. Subscribe, like, and share. Um, sorry. Old YouTuber habits. Sure. Um, offensively, Guerrero, there's no question about him as a playmaker. Defensively. No, he's in the 99th percentile in yes. non-penalty goals, for example. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just his when main it comes job, to the His main job is to defend because he is a fullback in a defensive line and he does not do that very well uh he's out of position far too often and what i've always had an issue with when it came to him was the fact that when it comes to tracking back he's very very poor i mean very very poor um, he's, I mean, his pressures, you could see it there was at 18th percentile tackles, 52nd interception, 61st and Aaron's long clearances, aerials one. I mean, he's short, yeah, you know, whatever, but still. but, but still he probably wins as many aerials as Zagadou at this point. So and Zagadou is twice his size. So that's an issue that, that needs to be addressed. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of joked about it over the last two seasons prior to this one, the amount of assists the opposition got coming over Dortmund's right side. I feel like now it's, I don't know, but it feels like a lot going over Dortmund's left side. Um, But, you know, I mean, Dortmund have a fullback problem. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is really good fullbacks are very, very hard to find. True. And um, this is be, I mean, we're probably going to talk about it when we talk about Schlotterbeck and transfers and things like that. But getting back to the Bochum game, that was really what it was. I mean, Bochum played well. They had a great match plan. They pressured Dortmund. They stood on their feet, made it very difficult, and then withdrew. But Dortmund, yes, helped by penalties, but Bochum got one too, so who cares? Um, Dortmund were not... 
stunted in their attacks. I mean, they had plenty of shots. They had plenty of shots on target. They had great opportunities, but just didn't score. Um, and we saw that against Bayern as well. Dortmund in the second half had plenty of opportunities to score and just didn't. And so it was just a it was a weird game. It really was just a very I mean three handball penalties is not yeah, a no, normal it, game. It, it was a really bonkers game, but still I mean the, the problem with Kirill was you know if you're being brushed off like this as as he was mm-hmm. in that one on one play in the, what was it third minute or so. Mm-hmm. Right as uh, Bochum scored, and and then you were like busy complaining to the referee, exactly. Um, and you know we, even though me and Lars are blocked on Twitter by Guerrero, we we all know <laughs> that that he is active on social media and he very much knows about the criticism, you know. And it he is basically also playing for a new contract, so. What, Which reports are saying he won't get. Yeah. What 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 is bothering me though is that we're in this context not seeing a positive reaction from him. What we're seeing is more petulance and more non-performance. Now, do I know if he's hundred percent fit? Um, no, but that's another reason that you have to calculate uh, if you're Borussia Dortmund uh, because he does have uh, injury issues um, all the time, and um, you know. Obviously, he is one of the best footballers we have on this team, but the question is, with his attitude, with his approach to the game, is this enough? And, and you know, it, it's going to be weird if Dortmund lose one of their best footballers, which they will arguably not replace in, in this sense. Um, I, I don't think too many people will, will be sad to see him leave, Matthias. And uh, to no. me, that, that's concerning because Guerrero should have more ambition and more self-respect, to be honest. Because if, if 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 people are making accusations that his lifestyle choices are not professional enough, that he is not professional enough on the on the pitch, that he is basically not a serious footballer, you know, Schönwetterfußballer, as we say in Germany. Um, I think that is the moment where he should really just step it up and say, okay, I, I hear what's being said about me. This is wrong and I'll show you it is wrong. And he's not doing it. So to me as a fan, that's very frustrating to see. And, uh, you know, ergo, we see a million uh, rumors about potential left backs. But even if Guerrero was playing well, we still would need another left back, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if if we look at Benza Baini, um, I've I'm I'm on the record. I'm not the greatest Benza Baini fan because I I've seen him play for Gladbach and I've seen him make too many comical positional errors, um, sort of in the department of uh, Moray when he he started out at Dortmund when we were saying he's not good enough. I don't know if this can be fixed or not, but um. In terms of uh, you know signing a, a solid left back, I'm not entirely convinced by Ben Sabaini. Now that being said, um, Dortmund probably have the similar problem as they had when they signed Schulz, is that Ben Sabaini is an available left back, and the left back that Stefan wants is probably not available. So um, I don't even have a name where I say this is a this is a good option, but. Uh, you know, when we when we look at his his stats, and I'm gonna scroll down here, um, where we can then see the, the pressures. That's maybe a bit of a concern. Only in the 35th percentile on FB ref tackles, also not great. But when it comes to interceptions, blocks, clearances, aerials, one, he is all in the 
in the top 10%. And uh, to me, that is at least somewhat encouraging. Um, obviously, we can also focus on the non-penalty goals and shots total and whatnot, but to be fair right now, I don't care. I only care <laughs> about the pass completion rates and, and progressive passes and progressive carries, you know, dribbles completed, blah, 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 all this stuff. This this is more where where I have my focus and and more importantly on defensive department. Obviously, these are stats that are not entirely conclusive, but it gives you an idea of who the player is. Um, so Matthias, yeah. I, I think it's likely that he will join Dortmund for around twelve million. Um, he is not going to be our savior as a left back. I I think mm -hmm. Dortmund in the future need to do better as well. Um, but it's a step forward. What what are your he's thoughts? also, I mean he's also twenty seven. Yeah. Um, so he's not young, but that's technically prime. Uh, 26 to 29 is kind of your prime age. A 28 is always seen as peak. So um, he will be a more solidly reliable defensive defender. And really, if it comes down to it, if you take away conceding goals, <laughs> if you just cut that number down by, I don't know, uh, 20% season already looks different. Yeah, not, not too different. Not different enough to me. Well, for instance, they wouldn't have lost to Bochum. Probably, yes. <laughs> um, they, you know, it, it's... But, but, but still, I mean, we I mean, considered the 50th goal. The 50th. I know, I know. I, I, but I remember worse seasons since because I'm old. <laughs> yeah, but since the, 1998, but you're still second. Happened. But you're still second. Yeah, you're I mean, still the, second. the saving grace is you're scoring a lot of goals. Uh, if you cut, and that's why I say, if you cut down those type of defensive errors, positional issues, or not tracking back, Guerrero's biggest issue for me, aside from him being poor in one-on-ones defensively. Poor positioning, useless on set piece defending. <laughs> okay, granted, those are a lot of things. Um, but he doesn't track back. If you're going to go forward, you have to come back. And if you look at the team that probably has the best fullback pairing in football right now, Liverpool, their fullbacks who are very aggressive going forward also come back. And Guerrero over the last few seasons, it's too often that he loses possession or not even him. The team loses possession and he just, you know, his kind of head drops, his shoulders drop and he just, uh, okay, I guess I'll jog back. I mean, you don't have to be a body language expert when it comes no. to Rafael Guerrero. That's, uh, it's not the best. No. It's not the most encouraging. No. I mean, let's be honest. You wouldn't accept that from 10 year olds. <laughs> Uh, maybe. Maybe I'm a little bit more forgiving mm, with the ten. Not me, because because I'm an asshole. But <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't accept that from my son and his teammates. Right, he's eleven, but they're not making millions playing for a Champions League team. I mean, it's just and you know, Rosa talked about the team was tired, and then obviously that got like subtweeted by people like, oh, all these millionaire athletes are tired. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. Tired is tired, okay? Um, stop it already. But th that's just not an excuse for a situation where you're brushed off by someone who's basically the same size as you. And it wasn't a foul. 
I mean, it was no. a it was a shoulder to shoulder action that you see a million times over the weekend. And Guerrero f- flapped up his arms, turned around, stopped, and complained at the ref. Yeah, it you was like he's that. a Bayern player in a Dortmund dress. <laughs> yes, but the Bayern players in defense won't do that. No, they would Once complain Once the action after is it, over, exactly. Then they would crowd the referee. <laughs> exactly. Once it's over, bitch at the guy. Fine. Whatever. Have your little antics. But when it's still going, what are you taught, Stefan, as a child... Playing any team sport, you play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. You play until the whistle's blown. Yeah. Or the fans will whistle. Yeah. That's not the whistle you want to play to. And watching a professional at his level not stick to a just defender who then, in that moment of petulant selfishness, left his team completely open... And they conceded the go- a goal, one of the key goals, of course, in a match decided by one goal, every goal is important. It's just inexcusable. I want him gone as soon as possible. And what's so sad about it is a few years ago, we were like, we need him to resign desperately. Yeah. And for me now, it's like, gone, bye, out. The sooner we're rid of him, the better. I don't even want to, people are like, oh, we got to move him to central midfield. Why? Is his attitude going to change in a arguably more important position? <laughs> yeah, I actually made this point. I, I remember a couple of months ago, I, I said, that, let's move him to midfield because he can't track back. But, you know, after I said it and when I edited the episode, I was like, well, actually, no. Because, I, you know, it was, there was complete idiocy because he needs to defend as well on every position. You know, we have conceded 50 goals and a big part of that is not... Uh, the the whole team not defending as a unit and we need Correct. that defensive cohesion and if you have Guerrero in the middle of the park you will also not have it so yeah. uh, and we already have Julian Brandt exactly. thing. so I mean we don't need Guerrero doing the same thing in such a critical part of the pitch um, so in that aspect um, I think uh, the sooner the sooner he moves on and don't want to have a pro, uh, a good left back the better yeah. Um, so, the other question I have for you is, um, how did you see Bino Gittens in this game? I thought he was okay. Um, he didn't make many mistakes. Uh, but at the same time, after a short while, he kind of disappeared. Yeah. I mean, he was okay. He was, he was okay. He had his moments... He didn't leave a lasting impression for me. I mean, I, 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 I must disagree with you. I thought it was a lasting impression, to be honest. I mean, I, I, th- I mean, first of all, the pre-assist was pretty neat. I thought he had a couple of good dribbles, and uh, I thought it was promising. You know, I, I thought it was like one happy takeaway uh, from from this game. <laughs> Is Bino Gittens looking pretty uh, good? Yeah, I mean, again, promising. He had some really good moments, but he didn't leave an impression for me. All right. You know, but that's okay. I mean, given his age, I don't really expect that necessarily. All right. Um, Let's end the uh, Bochum talk here. Um, Yes, please. (laughs) Because we have been waffling about that uh, way too long. Um, Because Dortmund did sign Nico Schlotterbeck, and that uh, is obviously much better news uh, for us. 
it was a it was a very nice uh, moment for us. I, I think on on Monday when it uh, was when it was finally uh, official. Now, Matthias, uh, we have we've seen this coming. Uh, obviously, everyone knew it was going to happen, but it's still nice that it now finally did happen. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a. a I mean, think about it. Dortmund are now building their defense for the future. Um, because you've got Niklas Zule, got Nico Schlotterbeck. These are younger players. I don't know how old Zule is off the top of my head. Um, I'm probably going to make him way younger than he is. Maybe somewhere like 26, something like that. Possibly. I don't know off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, he's 26. He is 26. Wow, that was <laughs> good guess. Uh, scare myself. <laughs> uh, but you have young, proven. Uh, defenders that are also part of the future for Germany in the national team. Nico Schlotterbeck, it'll be interesting to see how he does playing in a team with a higher level of expectations. Obviously, that'll be key in big, big games um, against, you know, cha in Champions League and so on. But he's extremely good. Um, and... I'm I'm excited to have him part of the team. It will, you know, I mean, the writing's on the wall that Akanji is going to leave, so he's the perfect partner with Zula and then Hummels as well to kind of help them both um, progress as players. And then we'll see uh, what happens after that. But uh, but Dortmund aren't done there. They need an, if Akanji leaves, they need another central defender. And we've talked about this. I, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, for example, almost people, but. Exactly. Um, so uh, I listened to the uh, Rose press conference today, and mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, obviously he's only going to say positive things, but nevertheless, he said that he has a great left foot, amazing builder player, has a fantastic positional player, and is a resolute tackler. All things we need, all things we were looking for, and also see more space for development. And uh, he was also talking about the, the talks and the negotiations. And he said that they were very pleasant and uh, they got to know each other a little bit. And uh, Schlotterbeck made it clear that he's very ambitious and has big goals. So um, that's all good to hear, obviously, Matthias. Um, I personally am really excited about this transfer. I think um, Dortmund signed a fantastic player and... I don't know what, what more to say really about him because, I mean, he's a German international. He signed a five-year deal. Um, mm -hmm. The transfer fee, I think, is what about 20 million plus 5 million in bonuses or so. It's less than Nico Schultz. Yes, obviously. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 th I think Dortmund landed an absolute coup. And the cherry on top to me is that Freiburg managed to land Matthias Ginter on, on a free transfer yep. in return because Ginter obviously is a boy from Freiburg and um, it says so many things about the Bundesliga. It says that Freiburg are, to, to me it was a signal, I'll, I'll be honest, um, that, that Freiburg can land a Champions League caliber player like Ginter um, is amazing. The fact that Freiburg right now are in fourth place is amazing. So um, to me, that was a, a very great piece of business by Freiburg and uh, you can only commend them. And I personally think that Ginter will play even better football than he ever has because Christian Streich knows how to play with a defensive structure and he will benefit mm -hmm. from that. So, um, yeah, that's the only question I really have about Schlotterbeck because he is playing well for Freiburg, 
how will that translate to um to Dortmund? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's only time will tell. I mean he's playing well uh for Freiburg, obviously having an amazing season. And yeah, he can defend, he can uh, he's he's a very good young central defender. So hopefully hopefully that transitions well to next season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but but it's exciting that uh, Dortmund get the business done early. I think it's also really great for Schlotterbeck and for Freiburg that he he announced this this early. Now he can focus on uh, you know closing out the season and then also uh, you know hopefully winning the cup final. Yes. And uh, yeah, I will I will have Abel Mesheros on on Monday hopefully, um, and uh, we will talk a little bit more in depth about this transfer because he. Um, before Dortmund officially signed him, Ari WhatsApp me and was like, "Okay, um, I I have uh, more of an in-depth view on Schlotterbeck." So um, yeah, I'm teasing this now, and I'm uh, yeah very excited to hear from that. And uh, yeah, now Matthias, uh, <laughs> the people on YouTube are, are seeing why uh, our our yeah. meeting is ending in three minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick little break now, and uh, then we shall be back uh, with a preview of tomorrow's game, but even more importantly, a little bit of schadenfreude uh, towards some fizzy drink company. Mm -hmm. All right, we're back, Matthias. And uh, yes. now we have one more game, uh, one more away game, that is, against Gotterfurt, who obviously are already been relegated. Um, I, I think my most, my, my, my biggest point of excitement is to get to see Tobi Raschel play, I, I guess. Um, I was going to say that maybe Tom Roto or Gittens should get another run out, but Rosa already said that they will be um, playing Beating with the Schalke. under-19. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I think we had a YouTube comment about that from uh, Chief Warthrall or, or whatever. Uh, I don't I haven't played World of Warcraft in, in a very long time, but uh, he or she said that, uh, you know, the under-19 played so well and those players should reap the rewards of uh, playing uh, this entire season and now they should also get to play in the, you know, for, for the German championship in those playoffs and mm -hmm. uh, they also, I think, have a have a cup final. So, um, yeah, I think it's the right decision that uh, Dortmund yes, let them absolutely. play there and, uh, you know, we'll see more of them next season, I'm, I'm convinced. Um, otherwise, personnel-wise, um, Emre Can is coming back from his suspension. Um, Erling Haaland might be out because he was sick during the week. Um, I haven't checked yet whether uh, his trip to Fürth has been confirmed or not. And uh, I think uh, Rose talked about Manuel Ferrey and uh, Justin Ninja being added to the squad from the under-23. So mm -hmm. it's going to be another uh, bare-bones squad going to Fürth. Um, you know, if... I don't know in what context you 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 wanna um, see this game. I mean, would it be nice for Dortmund to beat Fürth? Absolutely, and I, I think all we look for is now to live in the moment and live in those ninety minutes and just enjoy some Dortmund football. Um, I mean, if we if we look at the table real quick, um, Dortmund had have sixty three points, Leverkusen have fifty eight, and if we look at uh, Leverkusen's uh, remaining fixtures, they play against Hoffenheim in Hoffenheim this match day and they play against Freiburg so um, I'll be honest I don't think even if we lose both games against Fürth and Hertha uh, I, I still Dortmund would still finish second because um, you know 
I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to the to the last game uh, where Freiburg playing Leverkusen. That's uh, that's the game I'm I'm looking for just because I I just so desperately want Freiburg to be in the Champions League because I do not want Leverkusen in there nor do I want the fizzy drink company. So um, I'll I'll be honest. There there are more exciting matches elsewhere. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, Matthias, um, what's what do you want to see from Borussia Dortmund? Another reaction? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a reaction on top of a reaction. Um, I mean, both teams are really just playing for the sake of playing, the pride of playing. I mean, Fürth have been relegated since the first match day. So, um, obviously not mathematically, but realistically. Yeah. Uh, it's great for them that they were in the Bundesliga. They're going back down. They're losing their coach, who's going to Hannover, which makes sense for him. Hannover will have more infrastructure for him to work with than Fürth does. Uh, even though Hannover, you know, are down down near the bottom in the Zweite Bundesliga. You know, Fürth, they gave Dortmund a a good game. Yeah, uh, Dortmund last time won they met. nothing, but still. Yeah, but it felt like, hmm, this could have gone really sideways for Dortmund at the time. Yeah. Um, also, so I, much bickering among Dortmund players. Yes. Yeah, and, and I feel like the cohesion's a little bit different since then. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, entertaining 90 minutes. Ideally, Dortmund don't close out the season with like three matches lost uh, or four matches lost in a row, especially if three of those matches are Bochum, Fürth, and Hertha. Um, I mean, but... I'll be honest, Matthias, if Dortmund were still in a title race, mm -hmm. I think that Dortmund would win all these three games, especially the, so. the Bochum game. If if it were really all or nothing for for Dortmund, I don't think they're going to lose four to three. <laughs> no, no, it's you can clearly see that certain players have moved on from this season. Um, unfortunately, all? it's all the defensive players that have moved on from this season. Um, I mean, uh, we talked about Guerrero. Right back, who do we even have? Emre Can, um, I guess, is our best option. Emre Maybe John, Wolf, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, Wolf will be here next season. He's proven himself. I think Emre Can will be here next season. Akanji, he, he plays for pride. Uh, he can never fault that, and I think um, he'll he'll try his best. Zagadou, writings on the wall that he will not be playing for Dortmund next season. Um, nobody else is coming back except Emre Can, so yeah, he'll probably be slotted in at right back would be my assumption. It know. really depends on how the match goes, you know. Uh, I think you can put Wolf at right back and you'll be perfectly fine. Then I'd rather see Emre Can play in his natural position, which is in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, he should honest. play the, the number six role. Yeah. Yeah, um, have him play there with Bellingham ahead of him and probably Julian Brandt because there's just nobody else left. Um, and then up top, you've got maybe Holland. Uh, Royce will be there. Um, well, Hazard's out too. Hazard's out. Well, yeah, Holland uh, made the trip. I just checked. Yeah, okay. So I, I would assume that he's going to play... Royce is going to play. 
And I guess you need Wolf as an attacking Yeah, player. you kind of need him on the wing, because <laughs> then you'll put Paslak in at right back, probably. Oh, God. I mean, but again, what this... And think about it. We There are other people that are paid to do this, that jobs depend on this, and the pressures there, Marco Rosa and his team, and, and Sebastian Kehl and so on. And so... Yeah, that that's the season. I mean, Rosa even talked about it after the Bochum game. It was like, look what we have to work with at this stage. You know, people are just tired. Well, I guess Witzel is there. Yeah. So Witzel will probably play in central midfield, uh, which then could move John to right back. I, again, it's somehow throwing together a team to go out there and play. Uh, Guerrero will probably play left back. And yeah, hits will be in goal. Yep, and probably Bahon is the uh, it's going to be the replacement keeper for this game. Yeah, not Buki. No. Um. Yeah, I don't. I think Buki probably shot Rose's dog or something <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm still hoping that Either he gets way. like the last game against. He Gaza. deserves it. I'm sorry, he deserves it. Um. But be that as it may, you know hits is yeah well my, my question to you so there are two players that Dortmund could theoretically play um mm -hmm. as as well in in the attack if you will one is obviously uh, Ranier who mm -hmm. hasn't done really much and the other player is Mokoko um mm -hmm. but I I honestly think just bring him off the bench like a good 30 minutes or so I I obviously well. want to see more I minutes from Mokoko, but um, yeah, I, I think the starting 11 is pretty much set in stone. And um, if I have to predict this game, I'm going to say Dortmund win this 2-1. to one. I don't think it's going to be uh, another chaotic high-scoring game. No, no. I mean, Fürth is going to play hard. They're going to play aggressive. Uh, but once a goal comes in from Dortmund, I think then it just, the, it's just going to kind of fall in Dortmund's favor. Um, so yeah, I think two one's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to see more Mukoko, but he's had a very difficult injury season, which is unfortunate for such a young player. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily risk it at this point. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, so yeah, I don't know what, what else is there to say? <laughs> uh, really? Well, first of all, um, who was it that pointed out that uh, in the last episode, I was like, oh my God, can we somehow get rid of Renier? It was already his second season on the loan spell from Real Madrid. Yeah, Adam did that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even, it didn't even enter my mind. That's how incredibly forgettable Yeah, I, I, I raised a lot, I wrote to that, but I kind of let it slide because I, in my mind, I, I thought you knew it was going to be the end no, of this loan. No, it completely. I completely spaced it because he's just that. I mean, he's a a body with a shirt on it. Yeah. And I forgot that he had already been there a whole season because he's a forgettable, useless. Yeah. Cost of money. <laughs> when you when you say that Bino Gittens did, what, didn't leave a big impression on you. I want to say that well, Ranier never really left a big impression no, on me. Like I no, cannot, so, I cannot really remember <laughs> even him in action. Really, no. I mean, I no, think I, he scored one goal, was like a tap in or so. But yeah, maybe. I don't know even but when it, and against who. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said about Bino Kittens, he didn't leave a lasting impression on me during the match where I went, oh, wow, he's got the ball, let's see what happens. There were one or two moments, um, but that's okay. I don't really... I mean, I'm not a setting debut. So, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, need to... Yeah, it's fine. Renier, I mean, Reina, <laughs> as I always affectionately called him, that just, like... I mean, no impression. I think no impression has probably given him too much grace. I mean, I don't know what's below nothing. Right. <laughs> but that's where he kind of ranks for impressions it's for me. It's kind of sad that it, that it went all sideways for him, really. You know, it, it, this could have been a promising thing. I mean, I, I like everyone If he else, was a good player, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I watched the, the uh, YouTube videos back in the day where he was, I think it was a Flamengo. I don't know, but usually if you play formidable in Brazil, chances are you will play all right in, in the Bundesliga too. But yeah, just just did not have for him, didn't have the coach's trust. Yeah, it's it's a weird deal with Real Madrid that I'm probably trying to do a favor. I mean, they have relationships in that regard, but uh, yeah, a complete head scratcher, and yeah, it's just over. So not, let's... not quite Hakimi. No, not not quite. Just a little bit off of him. Yeah, unfortunately, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, thirteen million uh, <laughs> lit a flame yet again. Um, so yeah, um, speaking of uh, lighting things aflame, uh, it looks like RB Leipzig are lighting their season aflame. And uh, mm -hmm. maybe as, as a last little point, Matthias, um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm really impressed with what Eintracht Frankfurt is doing. First of all, the on-the-pitch stuff, how they play in the Europa League, how defensively organized they are, how cohesive this team is, it is amazing. And then to see this level of fan culture <laughs> and make Barcelona look absolutely pathetic to the level that they say, oh, how can we allow 30,000 or 40,000 people into the stadium? This must never happen again. Um, that's why we lost. Yeah, that's why we lost. Um, exactly. Um, obviously, completely embarrassing. Um, but to highlight the positives here, um, it is great to see Frankfurt represent the Bundesliga in that way. And it is just lovely to see a team that actually wants to play in this competition and really plays hard. And now they're in the Europa League final. And on the other hand, um, I must say, seeing Frankfurt and their fans enjoy it this much and see what it means to them, it makes me hate Leipzig and this construct even more because the, I don't know, 150,000 fans or however many travel... You know, it's, it's just nothing there. And um, so I gleefully watched... Well, I didn't actually watch the game because uh, fizzy drink companies do not uh, deserve my attention, really. Uh, but I was gleeful to see them crash out of the Europa League. Obviously, if you are in the semi-final, I expect you to take it a bit more seriously than uh, whatever Dortmund did in this weird playoff round. And uh, yeah, kudos to Rangers. Um Obviously, it would have been nicer if Dortmund could be in the final as well, but it's not the case. So Schadenfreude right now is all I have. And uh, I really hope that Leipzig also fail to make the Champions League, maybe finish fifth and then also lose the cup final to Freiburg. That is sort of the, the wish list I have for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, because I don't know, I, I feel even more confirmed in my view that this um, construct uh, needs to be abolished 
and just uh, yeah, the Bundesliga needs to be cleansed of all these plastic clubs. It's it's honestly too much. And when they qualify for Europe, there's just nothing there. And it's you know, football is for people, and if, if they're not really people to enjoy it, then uh, it's it's annoying. You know, same thing can be said about Wolfsburg. And yeah. I'm also not the biggest Leverkusen fan, you know. I, I know. dump them I know. all I, in there. I, I mean, I see Leverkusen completely different than than Leipzig or Wolfsburg. I know you do, um, or, or Hoffenheim. Or Hoffenheim. Also, historically, I mean, they're an old Oberliga West team. I mean, they've been playing at the highest level of German football since the 1950s. Um, but that being said, obviously, it is not. It's not the same thing. It's a Werkself. And, and for those of you that don't know, Werkself basically means it was founded as a team for the workers in the Bayer factories. Uh, just like VfL Wolfsburg was founded as a team for the workers in the VW factories. Um, Bayer Leverkusen have more pedigree than the other ones. I mean, they, they won a UEFA Cup in the 80s. Um, they've won the DFB Pokal. They've been in a Champions League final. Um, it, it's it's a li- it's a little different, and for me, again, yeah. But you know, that's exactly my point. I don't want Leipzig to have any of this credibility. Correct. By correct. No, 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 no. Because it's different. It's a completely different entity. Um, again, Leverkusen, having played in the Oberliga West days of the fifties, does change my opinion of them vis-a-vis Hoffenheim and so on. That being said, um, you know, I'm not a big, I I actually, I don't like Rangers. Um, I I lived in Scotland. I lived in Edinburgh. I'm a Hibs supporter. I don't like Rangers. I'm also not a big Celtic fan, but uh, Rangers, I know there's also a history with Dortmund there. I mean, you think of Stefan Klos played for Rangers. Paul Lambert played for Celtic. So, I mean, there's there's a little little bit of history there. I think Christian Nerling also played for Rangers. Um, But... To see Leipzig fail is, you know, it it brings such warmth and joy to my heart. Just like seeing PSG fail. Oh, Man City. Just like seeing Manchester City fail on this only stage they give a shit about. See, this anymore, is why I love this YouTube Which is the Champions League. Because I can see you do the F yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's all there. For for me, you know, granted, Manchester City and PSG are also not comparable to Leipzig because these are clubs. Okay, PSG has only been around for fifty years. Manchester City much longer. It, It was a club that I used to really like, and then when both of these clubs became sports washing entities of. Uh, countries, it was like, nah, you're done. I mean, just go away. Uh, and and seeing, even though Pep Guardiola is an incredible manager, he is exceedingly and annoyingly arrogant, plus a massive hypocrite. And so seeing, you know, because he'll talk human rights on Catalonia, but he'll just ignore it depending on who gives him money. And so seeing these types of constructs, these types of teams fail, brings me joy. Uh, Rangers have had their own problematic history. Obviously, they got reformed in 2012, I want to say. Not not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. After, you know, financial ruin, essentially. 
Uh, West Ham United, I'm a Tottenham man. I hate West Ham. <laughs> so seeing Eintracht Frankfurt beat them was great, especially when you throw into the context that David Moyes was a complete piece of shit <laughs> on the sidelines. I mean, to volley kick with that level of aggression and anger a ball at a child that had his back turned to him and then have the stones in the press conference afterwards to joke about it, but still criticize the Frankfurt bench for being unsportsmanlike, for asking for a red card for Aaron Cresswell. Yeah, you can fuck off. I mean... And it was a red like, card. I'm sorry. Oh, Both yeah. instances. I mean... Give me, give me a break. So West Ham, gone, great. If Eintracht Frankfurt beat Rangers, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Freiburg beating Leipzig, that would be better. No, well, it's not better than Dortmund beating Leipzig last season because nobody thought Dortmund had a chance in hell. Which And Nagelsmann is an insufferable, arrogant shit. So that was great to see him get stuffed for a third time by Terzic. Um and then I I think this would then be is this then Leipzig's third cup final in a row they lose? I hope so. I don't I'm not entirely um, sure. Because I know they lost to Bayern. Then they lost to us. Yeah. Then so. they lost so yeah, I think it's three three cup finals on the trot that they would then lose, which would just be great because I don't want Leipzig to have any success. Not sorry, RB Leipzig. Take the city out of this. I do feel bad for football fans in the city because they have a choice between RB Leipzig and some fourth-tier clubs basically. that are riddled with neo-Nazis in in their ultra scene. I mean, it, it is... Uh, Chemi Leipzig, not so much, but look, Leipzig has a very checkered past when it comes and, to that. I mean, so I feel I'll, bad I'll be honest, for the people of Leipzig. If you're from Leipzig and you go to RB Leipzig games and you enjoy the football they play, I have nothing against you. Be my guest. Correct. In, in, in fact, you know, support your local team. This is your local team. Um, you may yourself not entirely agree with how it's being constructed, but once you fall in love with the football side and once you fall in, in, in love with the club, maybe, then that's just how it is. And then you're just out there defending it and how it's composed. And I've no beef against these people in per se. No, just, you know, enjoy football. It's it's a, it's a hobby, basically. It's it's something you do um, to, to enrich your life with joy, if you will, or pain. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, me personally, you know, I, I, I would be accused as a gatekeeper, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm a gatekeeper in that, in that instance, because I would love to have more football culture around and, uh, RB Leipzig just isn't that. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be gatekeeping Correct. and, and be, uh, enjoying my Schadenfreude when it applies. And this week for the first time it already applies and I hope that the streak will continue because I think it's it's better for German football. You know, just look at, at Eintracht Frankfurt and does, does SC Freiburg have the greatest football culture? Do they have a million, trillion fans? No, they are, they are a mid-sized team, but nevertheless, that grew organically <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, I mean, over the last 30 years, I mean, really Freiburg's history in the Bundesliga began 30 years ago yeah. uh, with Volker Finke and the Breisgau Brasiliana and the way they played and beat the likes of Bayern and Dortmund and this is you know Dortmund Champions League winning Dortmund 
um, in the 90s and didn't just squeak past them. They tore them apart uh, with a style of football that was not typical in Germany at that time. And that whole region has produced some of the leading footballing minds of Germany. I mean, Joachim Löw played for Freiburg in the Zweite Bundesliga. Yep, you can still see his um, bushy eyebrows in the old pictures. Yes, yes. And his haircut is literally the same. <laughs> um, but that whole region is just full of people. I mean, that Schwaben region. I mean, Jürgen Klopp is from that general region. Uh, I believe Thomas Tuchel is from that general region. Um, I, you know, Ralf Rangnick cut his teeth in that general. Re I mean, these are all some of the leading footballing minds of Germany of the last 30 years are from that general region. So Freiburg have a tradition. It is not Dortmund. It is not Schalke. It is not Hamburg. But if they could win the DFB-Pokal, that is for them. Like when Dortmund won the Champions League in 1997. I mean, can they can even take the next step and compete in Europe? Can they compete in the Champions League? No, I'm, that, that's just not going to happen in a season. But that money that they will get through Champions League qualification, Leipzig don't need that cash uh, because they are um, an, a construct that finds funding from fizzy drinks. Bayer Leverkusen, okay, they needed a little bit more than RB Leipzig, but they too have more cash reserves. Freiburg, Frankfurt, Gladbach, Köln, Hamburg, Schalke, Nürnberg, Düsseldorf, <laughs> Werder Bremen, I mean, Kaiserslautern, these are all the teams that the Bundesliga needs. And I will be right there with you, Stefan, and say that no we don't need leipzig we don't need hoffenheim we don't need wolfsburg leverkusen the bundesliga wouldn't miss the bundesliga won't miss augsburg or fürth um but the bundesliga needs those other clubs more than and there's a lot of discussion about i mean uh, the uefa president this week said and it was quoted by deutsche welle <laughs> that the Bundesliga is a weak league yeah, because Bayern have now won 10 in a row. And that's why Bayern can't compete in the Champions League. Funny thing is Bayern won the Champions yeah, League it's absolute not nonsense. too long ago. It's, it's bull crap. It's total garbage. Um, and same to say PSG isn't winning the Champions League because they've single-handedly torpedoed Ligue 1 is also not true. That, that the one has nothing to do with the other. They were in a Champions League final against Bayern just a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, that, that, so that should stand for some level crap. of competitiveness. Exactly. And I know UEFA would love it if Germany would get rid of 50 plus one. You would get all the uh, sports washing money that you can find. I'm looking at you, Newcastle United. And just it's just cash upon cash upon cash. But the Bundesliga is more than that. German football culture is more than that. And so I hope 50 plus one stays forever. And if that means Bayern win 100 Bundesliga well, titles and Leipzig never win a title, I'll take that trade. <laughs>
Fair enough, but I think it needs it, it needs to be fortified. I think yes. the loopholes need to be removed, and uh, yeah, that in my mind would mean that Leverkusen, that Hoffenheim, that Wolfsburg, and of course that Leipzig uh, would not have a license to play in this league. And I'll be honest, you said it, I would not miss them, and uh, that that's where I want uh, the uh, I don't know the political progress in, in Germany and the discourse go further so that's that's just my opinion um obviously um i'm not the first to say that and uh, people have been battling and fighting these fights for for decades um but nevertheless i i think it needs to be reiterated and uh, just seeing the, the the frankfurt fans uh the way they they behave and uh you know advertise german football i i think it ne it just needs to be reiterated correct so correct and and we can't forget there are quite a few cases in Germany where clubs became overly reliant on single sources of revenue, of investment, that all went poorly. Yeah, just look uh, at 1860. 1860, KFC Uerdingen, Schalke, um, and of course Hamburg. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are, these are four examples of that. Now, obviously, there are other traditional clubs they just screwed up. Kaiserslautern is probably the best example. We're just infighting, destroyed it. I mean, Vena, Bremen, yeah, you can, you so can, on. you can lose. It's sport. You can lose. Yes. Others may, other yes. competitors may decide. It's not a closed league. It is not the NFL, yeah. the NBA, or the NHL, or the MLS. Nor do I ever want it to be. Uh, I love the NFL. I love Major League Baseball. But that's not what the Bundesliga is about. And that's why this whole Super League, all that kind of stuff, guaranteed outcomes, then why? Yeah, then then just then just play FIFA, overstack your teams, and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. I think we too will now call it a day, Matthias. I yes. think it was a very fruitful discussion, <laughs> even though uh Unfortunately, uh, RB Leipzig are still competing for Champions League yeah. spots. Yeah. Uh, but there's a good chance that uh, they might not reach him. I mean, uh, Freiburg... And Freiburg could be the culprit twice. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, obviously, Freiburg need to beat Union Berlin and Leverkusen. That's tough. Tough. It's very tough. And then they have a cup final against Leipzig. Also, you know, the way Leipzig play, um, let's be honest, uh, it's, it's designed for cup football. Yeah. Because it's Tedesco football. If they're one nil up, you're pretty much done. Like your best hope against the Tedesco side is you take the lead, because then Leipzig usually uh, have have a tough time to to respond from the way they're playing right now. Um, but you know, if they have this the amount of individual players that that Leipzig have, you know, there's a good chance that uh, my wishes will not be fulfilled. Um, but you know, I'll, I will deal with it when it happens. But in the meantime, Matthias, I thank you very much for coming on once again. Yes, thank you. And uh, I also want to thank, again, all our Patreons who continue to support the show. And uh, without you, I don't know if the podcast would still exist, but I showed you know this video format would not exist uh, because you uh, paid for this little thing here behind me <laughs> so uh yeah thanks uh again for all our patrons for for your very kind donations and uh matthias uh yeah i i think that's that's pretty much all we have to say other than the uh like subscribe share etc um, yep 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 you know you can uh find our patreon on patreon.com slash the yellow wall you can uh find us on our social medias also at yellow wall pod and uh 
yeah, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can uh, go also to our link tree, which is uh, linked everywhere, I think, where you can then find every possible podcatcher. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, we should be back on Monday or Tuesday, um, depending on when Abel has time. And then we will talk more in depth about Borussia Dortmund's latest signing, Nico Schlotterbeck. Um, that's it from all of us. Uh, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.